Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvik. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to a bonus edition of Paranormal Almanac. That's right, this episode is a follow-up episode to the last week's episode, all about psychic detectives, and one in particular. Her name is Noreen Rainier. So since this is a bonus one, I want to get right into it. I want to get right into the interview, so head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac to join the Paramaniacs there. You can check out the Facebook fan page for all of the uploads and everything, the videos that we see about when we talk about UFOs and whatnot. You can head on over to storeenvy.com, search Paranormal Almanac for all your merchandise needs, and, uh, you know, let's get right into it. Like I said, I was lucky enough to get to talk to Noreen over the weekend. She was very polite, very nice. I really had a good chat with her. I really was happy to talk to her and get to ask any question that I want. And I'll put a, I'll put a, um, a snippet from the last week's episode. I'll put that before we actually get into the interview so you don't have to kind of bounce back and forth. So you know what, uh, what story we're kind of talking about in the interview. But more importantly, what made me want to reach out to her, the story that made me go, I would like to actually talk to her if I'm able. And like I said, I was lucky enough to be able to do it. So let me put that one in here right here right now so you can hear the previous story, why I wanted to, you know, talk to her. And then I'll get back into me. So let's cut over to past Kurt now. All right, up next is the tale of Arthur Herbert. Now this one happened on January 28th, 1984 when Arthur Herbert was on a small plane with three other people when it vanished over rural Massachusetts or possibly New Hampshire. Now, the Civil Air Patrol and the U.S. Air Force had searched for 10 days before, you know, basically being forced to give up the search. The budget for search and rescue, the weather, the fact that it had been 10 days with no clues meant that the people aboard the plane wouldn't be found alive. So they were going to wait for better, better weather, basically. Now, um... Enter Arthur's sister, Jessica Herbert, who asked an official from the Civil Air Patrol what he would need to start up the search again, and he replied, the location. So she reached out to a psychic named Noreen Rainier. Now, Noreen said that she got a call that went like this. Good morning, Mrs. Rainier. My name is Jessica Herbert. I need your help. My brother has been lost in a plane wreck, and they can't find him. It's been days. You've got to help me. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. Noreen said that she sounded worried and told her, I honestly don't believe I can help you. I don't find things. I describe murderers. I work with the police on unsolved homicides. She says, usually I touch something the victims were wearing when they were killed. I just can't do this in your case. And thankfully, Jessica just wasn't going to let that stop her. She pleaded, you know, you have to basically, you've been highly recommended by my ex-husband, Mark Babiak, an FBI agent, So uh, you were also validated by Special Agent Wrestler. So she kind of name-dropped a couple of names. And Noreen was like, oh, all right, let's meet up. So Jessica met up with Noreen and handed her her brother's billfold and started telling... Oh, and uh, Noreen, I should say, started to tell Jessica details about her brother's appearance and the other passenger's appearance, too. So, look, Kurt here. So far in this story, I'm not that impressed with Noreen yet. And that's a big yet. Don't worry. It's going to be coming. Now, Noreen could have seen a news story about the plane going down in the area. So, meh, so far. She knows, you know, she knows what these people look like. Yeah, there's probably photos of them in the news story. That's for you, skeptics. I threw that in there for you. Just keep listening. So, Noreen said, hey, I saw the down plane immediately. In fact, I found myself almost on top of it. I was on the side of a hill, but I could see around me were trees. I felt walled in by them, and I knew no one could see me. This was no help, she said. Then she started telling Jessica numbers and letters. The letters were GTO, I believe, and she thought they might be initials of towns, and she said that the plane would be found some miles from the big city. And then about an old dirt road near the crash site, and at the bottom of it, she said, is an old-fashioned house. The, The house had been turned into a gas station. It's rickety, 
I see old rusting signs. It looks like a Texaco sign. There's an old woman who runs the gas station. She doesn't have any teeth. She sells a lot of junk. Spoiler, the old woman did work there. She did have no teeth, but she died a year before the plane crash. So starting to get impressed. Very specific details right here, especially the rusty signs. Looks like a Texaco sign. It's a house that was turned into a gas station. Well, all of that turned out to be real. She went on to say, when you reach the gas station, take the dirt road up the mountain. You don't need to go up all the way to the top. The plane will be found to the right of the road. It didn't explode. Then, Noreen said something to Jessica. She said, it's your brother. Now he's walking away. He survived the crash. After he took a few steps, he lunged forward. His leg buckled under him, and he sank into a sitting position. She said, his leg is hurt. It's broken. Then, Noreen kind of said, Wait, that might be from you. I might be getting these this images from you. You're, you're the hope that your brother is still alive. So she was kind of worried that they'd be found dead. Well, two days later, the search and rescue team found the, the location and the plane basically close to what Noreen said. All the people on board were dead. They did find that rickety gas station with the Texco sign. They went up the road to the right of the road. They find the plane. It was you know, covered by trees. But when the authorities arrived, they found the plane intact. All occupants were dead. The two men in the front seat had been crushed by the impact, their necks broken. Sitting on some flat rocks under a nearby tree as if someone had placed her there, they found the headless body of a young woman. They then found the body of Jessica's brother a few yards away, sitting on the side of a hill, his leg broken, a torn piece of his sweatshirt hanging from a tree branch above him, basically trying to, you know, signal that they were there. Oh, and those letters and numbers? Well, they were the initial letters of the names of the three towns whose outskirts all connected in the area, marked by the longitude and the latitude. That's right, the numbers that she gave the sister. Absolutely freaky. Okay, back to present day Kurt and to this week's episode. Noreen has been a psychic detective for over 40 years. She's worked on hundreds of cases. She's worked with police in 32 different states. She's worked with uh, four foreign countries. She's worked with the FBI. And she's worked on some famous cases, including helping to locate Lacey Peterson. If you're a true crime fan, I'm sure you know all about the Lacey Peterson case. If not, feel free to take a look and check that one out as well. She's also helped solve numerous other cases. She's been seen on Unsolved Mysteries, Sightings, Psychic Detectives, Court TV, The Larry King Show, America's Most Wanted. It goes on and on and on and on. Now, like I said, she's not retired, but I wanted to ask her about her career, how she honed her skills, maybe a couple of the cases she worked on, just a little bit, just to kind of get into the mind of a psychic detective and kind of hear it all from her. Because, you know, you can hear me tell this, the stories, but she lived these stories. So I was very excited to, like I say, to chat with her. And like I said, Noreen was nice enough to sit down with me for quite a bit, but she wanted to start the interview discussing her book. And the book is called A Mind for Murder, The Real-Life Files of a Psychic Investigator. Now, that's available over on Amazon.com. I'm not getting paid to plug this or anything. I just want to make sure that if you guys are interested in hearing more about Noreen, you can do it yourself. You can go and buy her book, A Mind for Murder, The Real-Life Files of a Psychic Investigator, over on Amazon.com. She's also written another book, uh, The Practical Psychic, A No-Nonsense Guide to Developing Your Natural Abilities, if that's what you're interested in. But we're going to start our conversation talking about that first book, The Mind for Murder book. So let's get right on into Noreen. Exactly what I was hoping for. How are you? How are you doing? I'm okay. I, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Are I'm you? always thrilled to be uh, uh, alive and moving around. <laughs> Same with me. Same with me. Hey, any any day that I'm I'm able to do something is a good day for me. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. And just, just for a minute, I'd like to talk about why I wrote them. Because uh, I think that's equally as interesting as, as the subject matter itself. So, so yeah, please tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about the, your books and, uh, you know, what came, how they became to be, like how they came to be, what, what made you decide to write them? Well, the, uh, the mind for murder, it was written almost immediately when I started having my psychic 
uh, impressions and things started happening to me psychically because it was so strange what was happening to me and and so different than my normal my normal life so far that I wanted to capture it uh, in 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 the written word. So the, my girlfriend who was practicing the psychic stuff with me uh, was an ex-nun. She had been in the convent for, I don't know, 10 years, had been out equally as long, was married. She didn't believe in anything. She didn't believe in the psychic stuff. So it made it even more interesting because she wasn't op- open-minded or gullible. She questioned everything that happened to us. Sure. Now, so, were you were you interested in the psychic stuff, or did you believe in that, or or because I know that what it was at thirty is when it started happening to you, uh, around that age. You know, I, I was a, a skeptic, uh, not not a mean skeptic. If if you believed in it, I I wouldn't try to destroy you or your belief system. I like that. I, That's how I am. I'm like I'm a I'm a, I'm skeptic of some stuff, but I'm never a a, a, a critical skeptic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so, and, and, but what happened is, uh, I was trying to think how I met, God, I've got to remember, go way back. But Ellen and I, uh, her husband was a reporter and worked nights. Uh, my kids, I would feed them and run over to her apartment and, and we'd be looking at these books and she would say, look, it says if you do this and this. And so we were you know, trying to train ourselves, which was an interesting journey itself because I was still working. So I started uh, uh, practicing on my clients and customers because I was PR advertising. Oh, and no I could, kidding. Yeah, I could invite the townspeople out to see the hotel, you know, lecture hall, all, all that good stuff, and then give them a, a lunch or dinner, you know, and uh, I would say psychic phenomena. And if they didn't hold up a cross and say, ooh, evil, <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd try to grab the ring or watch off and, and show them uh, what I was trying to do. And what I was trying to do was what was in the book and, you know, their third eye. I mean, I did that whole bit. Uh, and it's a good thing they didn't think I was trying to steal their rings and watches, <laughs> but uh, gave everything back. But that that's how it started in, in, in the hotel with me uh, uh, inviting my, my hotel clients, uh, Hyatt. I, I, I worked for Hyatt. Uh, and then, then, and then uh, the psychic's best friend, who was a Winnebago Indian, she would call me or, or stop by my office all the time wanting her friend to lecture at, at the Hyatt. And I, I didn't want people, I didn't want psychics with long flowing gowns and whatever, however they dressed. Sure. Uh, I knew they, you know, I didn't want them at the Hyatt, but she wore me down and finally I agreed. Uh, and they gave me some book uh, about psychic stuff and I, a good science fiction book would have been more credible. <laughs> this was talking about seeing the future or, or the past which I, you know, I have trouble in those days, even in those days, remembering uh, what happened a week ago. <laughs> so I just didn't, didn't buy it. I didn't at all. But I did uh, did read the book, and, and, and Ellen and I were, were would try. Uh, and then, oh, I know, and then I got fired. Uh, I wasn't working. All I was doing was practicing on the hotel or, or the uh, townspeople uh, okay. and, and, and for three months. I don't blame them. They should have fired me sooner. Uh, <laughs> so, so while you were while you were supposed to be working doing the hotel stuff, you were still have you were still practicing or learning this yes. new skill. Interesting. Uh, yes, I was calling people to come have lunch so I could practice on them. Uh, and, and it was interesting. Well, it, anyways, got fired. And I thought, what am I going to do? I don't want to go back. I want to continue to see what this is all about. So I went to a um, to high uh, to a hotel. In those days, in Orlando, there was just one small hotel. Now we're talking about the seventies. I mean, a small airport. And I talked my way into sitting in the hotel lounge across from the airport. And and I figured if I'm bad, these people will fly away. Sure. Yeah, exactly. You got them for one chance and then they're gone. So, yeah, that's it. So that's how I started. Uh, how uh, how quickly were you, how quickly did you discover that you had a knack for this or you had this ability? I didn't until I started practicing with Ellen. Oh, I think how it worked was how, how did it go? How did it start? Why? Oh, Ellen had, had relatives. That's the only, okay. Oh, I know what it was. I know the Winnebago Indian. Uh, the one that uh, was the psychic's friend, mm-hmm. she wanted to teach us meditation or me. And I was going, nah, you know, but then finally she it doesn't, you know, it's not hocus, but you know, you're calm, relax. And, and so I, I grabbed Ellen. I said, Ellen, come on over to my house. She's going to teach, uh, uh, teach me and you how to meditate. And so uh, it was in the afternoon, uh, the sun was coming in. 
Uh, we were taking deep breaths, listening to what she told us to do. And all of a sudden, I felt like somebody had plugged me into a socket. Really? Oh, I, I thought I was electrocuted. Although my logical mind was not in, in working at that time. I was had meditated and I'd gone into some trance. I don't know. I just still don't know how to call all that stuff. But to, all of a sudden, my mouth starts moving and my mind can hear it. I, I can hear it. And it's going, it's telling Ellen, the, uh, the uh, Winnebago Indian, uh, all about her childhood. And I don't know, I seem to be an older Indian woman that I'm talking to. So this, and, and I'm hearing it. I'm going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> And I think, I know, I bet there was insanity in the ones that were told me about it. So finally, I thought, this is enough, enough. And I willed my eyes to open. The Winnebago Indian, she was uh, tears streaming down her, her face uh, and thanking me profusely uh, about the message from her grandmother. And she called her, I don't know, whatever, some Indian name. Uh, and Ellen is grabbing my coffee cup, taking a sip to see what's in it. <laughs> because I had never done this before. So in my hands, my hands were burning. I oh, couldn't really? Uh, yes, they were just really hot. So I, 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 and I think I cried out, oh, my hands are hurting me. And, and uh, not Ellen, uh, Joanne, the Winnebago Indian, she said, oh, I have a horrible headache, heal me. And I, and I didn't hardly even think, I just did what she did and said, and stood up, placed my hands on both sides of her head, and, and let that energy enter her head that was burning my hands. And then when my hands stopped burning, I sat down. And and this was completely unexpected. I mean, you were kind of expecting because you were trying to be, you know, you're getting into the trance, you're trying to learn this ability, but, but it was not something that you expected to happen. Oh, no, I would, if I was told that ahead of time, I would have said, no way, man. Oh, uh, no way. And if, good thing Ellen was there. Uh, so anyways, we got rid of uh, the, I, I hate to keep calling her the winner. She was a wonderful lady, uh, became a doctor, helped her own tribe uh, up north. But we got rid of her and Ellen said, do you believe in this stuff? And I said, no, do you? And she said, no, she did something to us. Let's practice tomorrow uh, at my house. My husband goes to work, et cetera. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens without her. So that the two skeptics saying, we don't believe, <laughs> I believe in all this stuff. I mean, talking to dead people, healing. I mean, there's no way I would have believed that. I had two kids in the house at that time, uh, teenagers. They would have, uh, well, yeah, but that's for. Yeah, they would have thought mom's gone crazy. Yeah. Abs absolutely. And and so it does seem that you're, you're implying that anyone can be psychic. Is that what you think? Like I could be psychic. Anybody has the ability? I think we all have it, but all to a, a different extent. Uh, I mean, we all have some artistic uh, ability like drawing or, or music. I mean, uh, they, oh, you, you could draw. No, I couldn't draw music. No, they, I can't sing. I, I have, but they, most of us can do it all to a certain level. Sure. But do you think gonna... that we could all learn to be as good yeah, as you oh, are with Absolutely. It? In my class, they all learn. They all learn all really? to certain degrees differently. But yes, it's just a part of our mind that we've been ignored or suppressed by society. Society doesn't want us to use that mind because they can't control it. Oh, I completely we... agree. I, I yeah. think that unfortunately, so many people are told at such a young age to, you know, that you they can't see, like the imaginary people aren't real, that you can't be talking to the dead, that you can't do this. And you keep saying the can't, the can't, the can't. And if they had that natural ability, it's kind of pushed away or, you know, tamped down. I, I do agree with that. Bad. Yeah. And then they think it's a bad thing to yeah. have. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many people, you know, I'm a, I'm a skeptical believer. I want to, you know, I want to believe in a lot of this stuff. And I do believe in a lot of this stuff when I mean like the paranormal stuff that I do for my podcast. But I do also have that like skeptics mind of. Oh, but, but I do too. I still have it. See, I, I love that. I love that. When I work with the police, I still do it. Uh, 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 to me, it's, it's a test. Uh, I like to describe uh, because I don't know my cases ahead of time. They want me. I'll, I'll just ask them, is it a homicide or missing person? Because each one, I have to use a different part of, of my intu intuition for that. Uh, so they never tell me the name of the person. Half the time, I forget what state I'm, I'm doing. They send me the package. Uh, and the first thing I do is describe the the let's say homicide, the victim. And, and they'll say, yeah, she had blonde hair. Yeah, she had, uh, her teeth were out. Or yeah, she had uh, enough that I know I'm in. I said, okay, 
you know, put your seatbelt on. Let's go. <laughs> now, how surprised were you when you got your first case rate? Like, I know you were surprised when you did the uh, the reading for the Winnebago Indian woman, but like when well, you did okay, like your first, that first was case. A reading, I, I, mean, I didn't even know what that. But let's see, what was my really first? Oh, the the uh, uh, oh the uh, rape case. What was it? Uh, I, I, at this time. I was teaching, I couldn't even spell half the psychic words. <laughs> I was teaching at the University of Virginia, an uncredited course. And it was really weird because, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, a, a college graduate. I've had a couple of years of college. I was always a terrible student. I mean, thank God for uh, the spelling in this machine. I mean, my first book, I, I, I did it on a typewriter. Oh wow, that is that's that's a testament right there because I couldn't do that. There's no way. If it wasn't for the spell checks, I'd be I'd be doomed. I mean, it, it was, but I didn't know any better in those days. A lot of people didn't. Very few people had computers. Sure. So oh, anyway, yeah. Anyways, remember this is uh, okay. But anyways, so where were we? I, I forgot where I was. Oh, the uh, first case that you got right, the rape case. Oh, the first case. Yes, yes. Okay. So I'm I'm doing hotel stuff. I think they. Oh, okay. I got to do the gangster first. Okay. Uh, and then all of a sudden, one one. Oh, here I am sitting in a gypsy outfit, off the shoulder, uh, a purple under underskirt satin and a green satin i mean the loop earrings uh everything and there's a place card on the table saying psychic noreen renair sees the future i mean a whole spooky little thing there mm -hmm. uh let her it's like charge five dollars now why am i i'm skipping i'm oh i'm only telling this because uh there was some police that came in and, and actually had asked me information while i was working in the nightclub oh okay i see sure so that, that was, and it was very light and, you know, didn't think, I thought it just as another customer. I didn't think, oh, I'm, we're, I'm doing a case for the police. I, they just wanted these answers to their questions and I, and I gave it to them. And, and inadvertently, they were teaching me how to respond to them because uh, we both were new in the beginning, uh, the police and I, uh, and I didn't know what they want, but they knew what they wanted. So they would, I would just do my, get into my mode and they would just ask me questions. You know, what did he look like? Where sure. did he live? Uh, just a base. And then, and then we'd pause and I would see pictures and describe to them what what I what I saw. And it turned out to be correct. It led them to. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was amazing. It was absolutely uh, on. Absolutely on. And then they would call me back. And they were real good in the beginning. They would say, guess what? You know, you were right. We got this. We got this. And the rape case or oh, the rape was the first one. And it made the headlines. Uh, that I worked on the case and I was accurate and uh, all of that it's all in the book. Uh, uh, let's see. So from the rape case, the headlines and oh, who comes sniffing around but the FBI? They're just down the road. I'm in Virginia. Sure. Uh, they, uh, I'm invited to some police training academy. I mean, I, I, I've, I've had, I barely started teaching. I think I had been maybe teaching a, a couple months. I mean, I still couldn't spell half the things, and I'm going to lecture to a bunch of cops. Oh, sure. Well, sure, that's, that's how I would say, oh, yeah, sure. Then later I think, wonder what I'm going to tell them. Because <laughs> I had just that one case under my belt, and that was it. Uh, so and anyways, this was this uh, was something unusual for to have a psychic talk to the FBI. Isn't that correct? Right, but but they, they I wasn't really talking to the FBI then. Later I was, but now I would. They were they were going to fill me out. They had the uh, the head of this police training academy invite me to lecture to see what I was about, and they were in the audience. They were there. Oh, okay, sure. And that led to being invited to Quantico and, and lecturing there. What was that? What must that be like to all of a sudden you find yourself in Quantico talking, lecturing to the FBI about psychics, about something that, you know, a few years back you would have said was complete, you know, you, you were a skeptic of. Right, right now, oh, in fact, in fact, oh, all right, that's good. Uh, when I was at the, uh, the the nightclub, I remember one time the, one of the waitresses came up to me. Oh, I used to drink wine uh, with a glass of wine because clients were always sending me stuff. Sometimes I really had a lot of wine. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, she came up and what is she, uh, oh, she said, you know, people don't really believe in you and what you're doing. And I just looked up at her and smiled. I said, oh, that's okay. I, I do. Yeah. See, and that's the important part is that you do, because, uh, you know, we talked a minute on, on the phone prior to the interview, and, and I said the same thing that you were saying that, you know, like, yeah, you're going to, 
I get skeptics on my podcast all the time that, that like, you know, leave me comments about, you know, how much they hate me or, you know, I should go to hell if they're really religious. And, and it's, it's, it gets tough, but then you got to just realize I don't, I don't care about them. I'm not doing it for them. I'm, you know, and, and you must be good if they're attacking you. You must be good because they don't attack the ones that get no attention. So, I mean, but they've been rough on me, though. They're bad. And, I, and, and, I feel and so bad cowards. that that happens to you. That's not that's not right. So cowardly, too. So cowardly. But anyways, uh, that's neither. You know, the book will show you stuff from the FBI. Sure. Uh, and everything I, I but the, what the skeptics did teach me is to make sure I can back up anything I say. Oh, definitely. How often do you think, do you feel like you have to, or how often are people trying to test you, I guess is the better way of asking that. Well, it's only that, those, those two people. Sure. uh, There's only two people that that do it. Uh, uh, But the last time uh, I was trying to think, oh, I know what they, uh, on my website, I have quotes from different police training academies saying, you know, and so I forgot which one it was. It was in a Florida one. And he, some man from their police academy said, you've never lectured here. How dare you put that in print? And I went, okay, now where are you at? Okay, what is your, okay, let me send you my my information. And I had a letter from the FBI inviting me to lecture. I at love that. it. So everything, so uh, now I have it attached. If you go there, uh, you can click it and you'll see see the letter. So I've, I've always been honest, thank God. I've been really honest, but now I make sure that I can back up everything I say. Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, when you when people find out, like just regular people on the street, like if you're in an airport or wherever and you're out and about and someone finds out that, oh, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a psychic detective. Um do they do they ask you to to read them or or is it just kind of they're in awe and they want to know more about how you do it? Uh, they no, they don't ask me uh, for reading. I, I would probably say no. Although if, uh, if they had bought me a couple of drinks, I'd probably have said yes. I yeah. love that. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, that you know put me in that mode. Uh, so I have to be so careful. Uh, one time, oh, uh, this is funny. Uh, I, no, I bounce around a lot, but uh, it was oh, when I, I was just beginning. I, I wasn't a police psychic yet. I was just learning how to go into trances and, and and do the stuff I was doing. And I was dating this man. I really really liked him. Well, in fact, he. he uh, it was my ex-husband, uh, and I don't know if we were married or divorced then, or not married. I forgot. No, we probably were not. Uh, and we're out to dinner, and I, we had the wine. Then all of a sudden, Noreen leaves. Uh, I'm, I'm gone, and this male, very male voice. Uh, a wine had just been served in, in a, just a glass, and and this voice wants a crystal or I don't know how we said it very elegant uh a voice but deep and, and wanted the glass changed I wanted a good glass uh and and he, uh, George was getting embarrassed because the man was being very loud or, or me me with a sure. voice so in those days we had cigarette machines uh-huh. uh, and, and he noticed I, I was almost out of cigarettes he, and my cowardly ex-husband says oh I'm gonna go get you some cigarettes I'll be right back so he leaves me with that voice there and and runs well uh, I shut all the electricity off in, in the building the machine didn't work so he had to come back oh wow so I, I have had the I don't think I do I don't know if I do it now or not but I remember a couple of times one time I was late for my radio show and I had a long list to drive. It was winter. I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't say, oh, shut the lights off. Uh, but the lights all went down on in the radio station and, and across the street. The stockbroker's place. No kidding. Yeah. I you know, that was neat. That actually brings up a good point. So what is it like? Because you said you had kids, correct? I, I, yes, I, I did. Yes. So uh, what is it like for kids to have a mom that's a psychic detective? They can't get anything by you. Well, first of all, I was a detective when they were when I started this. I was just learning how to do this stuff, and they hated it. <laughs> they wanted a normal mother, <laughs> and the kids had come over for I don't know. One of them had gone off to college, was home for the week or so, the summer, and so we had a party. And I was levitating with some other people, uh, showing the kids how to levitate, and my kids were furious with me. They didn't want me to be psychic for them. Of course, their friends loved it. Oh, but sure. They, they, they were no, they didn't. They didn't like it. They're very intuitive themselves, or were. Oh, really? So it, it it passed on to them, or they had the ability as well. However, you want to word it, really. Yes, that that in, in, you know, that are creative. Interesting. Now, 
how do you get the information? How do you receive the information? What is it like to all of a sudden I just hear I never thought about how to get it. It was just what you need. So the secret was if you really needed, and these cops really needed to know who did it. So they, they would just ask me questions, and I would get the answers. I didn't try. Remember, they're training me without either one of us know, knowing what's going on. Sure. But is it is it like you can see images, or is it oh, someone yeah. else is talking, or what is it like? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, so let, let's say uh, we have a homicide. Uh, we've already described the victim, so they know I'm I'm on that now. I, I, they want to know how I, I'm still in the proving. So uh, and this is part is, is very upsetting uh, because I was such a skeptic in the beginning. I would feel the pain. Oh, and wow. so I, I would grab my neck and and and, and start sort of choking. Uh, and it would, you know, they would cut her throat or maybe I see something else, but I was feeling the pain. And for a while there, oh, the burning was the worst. The burning, I couldn't handle it. Uh, I got burned uh, to death, a fire. Oof. Uh, we had to shut down and I tell the police had to call back later while I calmed down and that, that was really bad. So it sounds uh, like it's really draining for you then. Oh, it is. It was a very, people think, oh, what exciting life. No, was, everything was over the phone. So uh, as soon as it was over with, I'd, I'd have to go to bed. I mean, it was like three, maybe th I used to do two o'clock sessions uh, and maybe it was three or four and I, I would have to go to bed uh, and then I'd be wiped out. And the next day I would have to take it easy again because uh, I would be drained. It would be like every, and they had no idea what went, went into my being psychic. It wasn't just, it, it, and I'm the accuracy, uh, and I would train myself. Uh, once I got good at faces, because I, I can draw a, a, a face to an artist, I can't draw, but I've, I've learned to look at the TV and see, okay, his eyes, I would call them a close set. Now, is that what kind of, oh, that's square face. And so as I'm seeing faces on TV, I started training myself that when I saw the murderer's face, we could, uh, the artist, and then the, what the police would do would send me back a lineup, sometimes six, sometimes 10 people that all looked like, and then I would tell, you know, the artist would usually, he was good. He was a policeman, a, a sketch artist. Oh, okay. So I, I really, see, when you're on the right path, the right people seem to join you. I, I like that. That's interesting. All right, so they'd send out these these headshots or these mug shots, and were you ever like, oh, yep, that's the guy? Or was it always like, well, it could be one of no, these two guys? He, 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 but most of the time, sometimes we wouldn't see him. Or, or I couldn't see that. I Mike, you and Mike, no, he wouldn't see, couldn't see it either. So they, he wasn't a suspect yet. A Canadian case was like that. Uh, I worked on, and we'd draw the space. And then the, when we couldn't see him on, on the lineup, the cops, uh, the constable was still, he said, how old will he be when we arrest him? Because they, they, oh, they asked me, will he be arrested? I said, yes. So I told him 35 or I forgot 38, whatever. Uh, and what he looked like and uh, all that. Because everything else I had said before, everything about the crime scene and all that was a, it was a um, multiple homicide serial killer. Or I mm -hmm. think three young girls. Well, 20 years go by or 15, I forgot how many. And DNA is now. Now, in the beginning of my career, DNA wasn't anything that, that was special. Uh, or it wasn't that sophisticated or used that much uh, or at all. Uh, so uh, time, years go by and then the DNA comes and they get the guy through the DNA and he looks just like the picture. He's 35 or 38, however, uh, the hair, the must, everything is right. So how, how I do it, I, I don't know. I just know it works. I, I don't know how my car runs, but I know I, I was just going to say it. that, you know, you don't need to know how something like how a computer works. I couldn't build you a computer, but it works. It does what I need it to do. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Not me, though. There's that I fall short on the computer area. But <laughs> yes, so, so uh, and I never have been scientific. You know, I'm not the brilliant scholar. Uh, I'm just, you know, a, a, a psychic. Now, do uh, the police that, always that, that let you know like, when, like, oh, we got the guy and you were right and this oh, was right? Oh, this is the bad part. This is a bad part. When I lecture to them later after that, I would say, oh, you all treat me like a whore. Uh, and then you would hear the gasp in there. I said, you you pay me, you use me, and I'll never see you again. <laughs> and they wouldn't. They would disappear because I'd be right. They didn't want publicity. But later the oh. police would come up to me and say, you pay first and then you, I don't know. But anyways, uh they they know they didn't want uh, they didn't want any publicity 
even when uh, Court TV was trying to find the solved cases and going through my files, I had like 500 in there. There was cases that they would call and they say, oh, no, no, never got solved. And, and then later, uh, somebody that knew about the case would say, it really got solved. Yes, her clues were right. Yes. Uh, so people did. Now, some police were just wonderful. They didn't care. They gave me the credit. Uh, they, you know, were really uh, good to me. And they would use me again or talk like Michigan. If I did one case in Michigan, then I would do like six or eight, you know, be several cases because of this one man bragging about my work. Oh, wow. I like that. I like that there are some people that, that saw you for the benefit that you were and gave you more work because of it, because that's how it should be. I mean, why hold yeah. back? I get that whole like, you know, the police can't be saying that they, they couldn't solve a crime, so they had to go out and have a psychic solve the crime. But if it works, it works. Who cares what, you know, how that works? So they shared me. Uh, and I never really, I, would be, I was disappointed, but I, I could see their perspective. I knew how, this, you know, uh, and I just, I, okay, I understand. All right, this is my job. I'll do my job. And, and whatever happens, happens. What's the oldest case that you've you've worked on or like, you know, how, that you've ever Sorry. worked on? Yes. I almost refused it. I think it was 30 years old. Really? So 40. It, was, it was ridiculous. It was a Texas case. It was a homicide. And she wanted me to find this weapon. Uh, it was a gun. And the, uh, I don't know if we were looking for a body. I, I forgot now. I, I don't know. I don't remember. But I remember I just was sort of mad all the way through it thinking, this is too old. We're not going to solve this. But it, it probably really wasn't too old, and I should have been so so um, judgmental. I think I was really wrong thinking that way. So, uh, but yeah, you, but the normal the normal is it was five, ten, fifteen. When I did headline cases, was very late. Like the um, what was the the girl that uh, the pregnant woman that got um, oh Lacey Peterson. Yes, I, when I worked on that, the mother uh, uh, Scott's mother had hired me, and she had sent me a check. And I never copied people's checks they send me, and I copied her check. And later she tried to deny I was she hired me. Wow. And I could produce a copy of the check. So what was the oldest case that you ended up successfully solving? Uh, but see, I don't know. Uh, if, if the police actually came back to me after every case, you know, maybe five years later, two years later, and say, guess what, this happened? I don't know. Okay. I, in fact, I didn't know till uh the court TV went through all my files that I, what, the cases I had solved. Well, you know, all right. So what, what, what was that like that vindication when they actually went through and, and went through all your cases and then started to notice that you were solving case after case after case was, what was that vindication like? But I already knew I was good. I, I love that. How to, I mean, it, it was nice that they, somebody was doing all that work, but I wasn't, you know, patting myself on the back or anything. I, I already knew I was good. That's a good answer. I like that. Now, have you ever thought about trying to solve some of the most notorious cold cases, like, you know, like the Black Dahlia or the San Francisco Zodiac? Like, you know, the ones that people, like the infamous cases. Have you ever tried to... No, because I always, I, first of all, I was always really busy. And since I can only do it a couple of times a week, you know, because it wipes me out so much that I wasn't looking for, uh, you know, like the postman having a walk on his day off. Uh, I, I, I didn't care. You know, I, I, I had no interest in, in that. I was more focused on what my next case was or the case that, you know, each case had uh, two sessions. Okay. So they would have, have uh, and everything was uh, tape recorded. Uh, the first five years, no. And then after that, I started tape recording, but then I was giving them the tapes. And then I remembered an old boss of mine that said, do more than you're asked. And I thought, well, what more can I do? I'm tape recording. Oh, well, I had the tapes transcribed and I would, and I knew they were taping it, but they never got around to transcribing most of my tapes. So it is easier to read it and understand the clues. So I started hiring because I, I didn't want to hear myself again, but I hired someone to uh, transcribe my uh, tapes for the police. Interesting. Now, um, is there a case that that's always stuck out with you, like you were glad you were able to work or help the police on? The airplane case. Yes. Yes. That's the one that I I so I did a episode just prior to this one. And I'm going to actually plug in your story onto that, because like I'd said to you on the phone, it was such a fascinating case. And as soon as I read it, I was like, I need to talk to you because it's just so incredible. 
Um, and, 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 and at that time, I was not doing missing person cases, or I, I had just decided because I get lost in Kmart that I would just stick to homicide. Uh, I didn't want to do. I didn't do missing persons. So when and the only reason I did this one was the FBI guy. I knew him. He wanted me to help, and I'm the type that if you say help, I, I'm there. So they wanted me to help, and, and but I hadn't been doing that. And to get longitude and latitude, and I saw something on television lately, uh, recently. It was a documentary about the phenomena, and it was Carter saying there was a woman in California who gave longitude and latitude. And see, I had given longitude and latitude in that case, mm -hmm. but, but I wasn't from California. Uh, and then he said the plane was found and then he put, it was in uh, Africa or something. But I think they just didn't, because we would have heard about that girl or that woman in California. It was me. They had just changed the name and the dates uh, of, of my case. They didn't want anyone to know where I was or give me any publicity. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, and how often does that answer. happen? Do you, do you ever have the people like, hey, I worked on that. That was me. And it's actually some, you know, website no. just misquoting. No, I, I don't do that. I, I don't. But it did come up in the court case, which was which was good. Sure. Oh, definitely. But, but they died. I, I would thought that more people would be interested in the court case. I sold my book on the court case because I, I but then I got sued for it because uh, I won the libel lawsuit. There's one copy or uh, that I a couple copies of I have of the original. I had won the uh, libel lawsuit against a skeptic. Mm, oh, uh, yeah. And all this FBI testified for me, police testified for me, uh, all of that happened, but it never got any really any publicity. Oh, sure. Now, I'm assuming you never expected this to be your life's work, but you've got to be proud of the work that you've done and how many families you've helped. Is there is. Oh, I am proud. I, I am. I am. Uh, I, I'm just so happy that, that I can can help. Oh sure. Oh sure. Is there is there any time where you've had to say like nope, I can't I can't help you with this case and if so what was the reason behind it? Never. Uh, oh, the only reason would be if, if you were family and you came to me and I I would say I have to, you can hire me but I have to work with the detectives. Oh, interesting. And they, okay. And if they couldn't get the detectives, I couldn't work with her. I can't handle the emotions from the family where the police are so uh, stoic and hold back their feelings that, you know, I don't have anybody crying about their mother being shot. You know, I, I don't want that. And they don't know anything. So I'm not going to be able to, you know, uh, so no. So their, their emotional connection, you can feel, obviously well, you can feel it, but it, it, but it hurts the, it hinders the investigation. Certainly definitely homicide. Now missing person, that might be a totally different ball of wax. But since in homicide, I started, you know, for five years with just homicide uh, because really I, I can get lost in Kmart. <laughs> and I thought, how in the hell am I going to tell somebody where to go or I can't, you know, right, left. I mean, I, I always get lost, still get lost. But somehow when I'm in that psychic mode, I mean, I, I worked in uh, South Africa or Africa uh, and I could do uh, how many they didn't know miles if I was doing miles or whatever it is there, but we, we did it. Uh, I, I could tell them how far it was. Uh, I don't remember if it was theirs or not, but yes, uh, I could do uh, miles. And you always, or not always maybe, but you, you request to have an item, a personal item of the person to help you with your your connection. Is that correct? I, I, homicide, I, I need something from the victim that okay. was on him or her when when they were killed. Now are easier because there's emotions involved. People say, oh, it's just forgetting, which I'm good at forgetting it. Uh, but I, when I do stir up those memories, I, I do get upset. But uh, the homicide is easier because it's all this hate, anger. And so I can tap into that energy and somehow I can get pictures out of it. I can get the pictures. I mean, how do I know where he lives? I mean, but somehow I can sometimes follow him home. Sometimes I'll go up in the sky and I look from up there. I mean, I use all sorts of techniques that I draw information. I can be on the ground for a while. Then I'll fly up in the air and, and do like a clock. And I always put 12 north, but we don't really know if it's north. I mean, but everything that 
if you had to move my round circle, everything would stay the same. But I try to see an airport, I try to see a river or something so they can put the, you know, where I'm talking about in, in perspective. Oh, sure. So yeah, that's interesting. So there's always there's different ways that you can go about it. Do you get to choose the different ways or does it just happen? And then you just kind of follow that different way. As I got more sophisticated in the beginning, it would just happen. I, I, I would more play with myself. I would think, oh, today I'm going to look at his hands if, if the murderer is a male or even if it's a female, I'm going to describe your hands because I always do the normal face and, you know, and I would describe the hands and I thought, oh, this is neat. Look at, look at this. He's got, uh, and I would just get enthralled with just looking at his hands. I don't know if it helped them or not, but I was just, again, playing with my own mind to see how much control I had. What was the, what was the most used one? What did you, version did you use the most? Oh, I, I like to see first from the victim, staying on homicide, uh, first from the victim, if she saw anything, what she saw. And then when she's dead, I switch to the bad guy uh, and, and see from him, his perspective. That's got to be very disconcerting to witness. I mean, you must have witnessed hundreds of murders or violent crimes in your lifetime then. Oh, a absolutely. A absolutely. And, and all of them after the first five years uh, are on tape and then after a few years they're not only on tape they're, they're transcribed there's that, that toll that must come with that how do you kind of compartmentalize it i mean oh but that this is good this is good uh, the memory but somehow i go so deep in into the trance or this that state uh that i i the next day when the police call me sometimes they'll call me the next day let's remember that bridge you were talking about i said no i don't remember uh, no, you'll have to ask me the next session. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, it, I wipe it out immediately. Well, that's got to be a relief, though, because that would be a lot of baggage to walk around with. Oh, I, I couldn't handle it because I can't even handle listening to my tapes because when I'm being killed, I'm screaming. Oh, wow. I mean, I can't listen to my tapes. That's why I couldn't transcribe them. I had to hire someone because you could hear me. And I've tried to get better at it or try to see their death without it affecting me. But again, I was a skeptic. Remember, I, I just didn't believe I could do this. And I had a feel. I mean, I overdid it, but it's okay. Well, I'm glad that that's the way that that's the case, because like I said, that'd be just too much emotional baggage. Now, here's a, a silly question, an odd question, but it's one that I've always wondered. Can you go into like a thrift store or a garage sale and purchase other people's stuff or do you have or do you feel the connection to those people i i could i, I could so i i have to be very careful if i go to a, a garage sale or or what because certainly if something they wore uh can you imagine what i could pick up from a bed from a, a horse house well, or that's something a, that's what i was just thinking like you know it's got to be bizarre to not be able to you know because i love vintage stuff absolutely love it but if every time i bought something vintage i had every connection to everybody that's ever owned it that's got to oh. be a lot it, yes i agree but i i really don't have no i don't i'm just even looking at my furniture and some of it you get used to that vibration or that energy that's coming from that object but yeah i have to be careful that's really interesting i like i'm i'm, I'm glad that you you humored me by answering that because it was something that i've always wondered but it's about not foolish no i i think it, it i think it's wonderful no i, I think it's a good question oh thank uh, you um so what what advice can you give me or my listeners for trying to hone their own psychic abilities to be more like you i think the uh the best thing you could do is is to be aware, uh, aware of the now and, and aware of when they're talking to someone. Uh, be aware of their their uh, their whole essence. You know, I don't not just the words. Uh, it it's psychic is being aware on a different level, but awareness is the most important thing you can have. Oh, definitely. I I like that. I like the that knowing that if you can hone that skill, that you can actually not only help other people, but I think you would be able to help yourself. That's now it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I would never go to a psychic. I would rather learn myself how, and again, I believe in the mind. So programming your wants and your dreams is so important. But a lot of people, a lot of people, they know exactly what they want, or they have this dream or desire, and they never let it go. Yes. So I, I, my advice to your your clientele, your listeners would be uh, keep dreaming, but release it, believe in it enough to let it go. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, do you have 
Do you have the ability to to speak to people that you've known that have passed on, or do you not want to ever tap into that? Well, I had a lot of people die recently. My my uh, daughter died, and then my oh, sister no. died. I'm so sorry yeah. for your loss. But yeah, within months of each other, uh, and then no, I didn't try to contact them. Well, both of them were really sick. Uh, but when I went to get my, I have I have melanoma in one of my eyes. When I be, just before the diagnosis, the doctor had done some tests, and I'm sitting alone in this room, and all of a sudden, there's my mother, my sister. They're all dead. My brother. And I'm going, uh-oh, what, what are you guys doing here? I'm at the doctor's. No, no one's talking. They're just looking at me. It's like a picture of them. And I'm going, what are you guys doing here? And I'm going, uh-oh, I'm not ready to go. If you're, you're here for me, I, I'm That's not what going. I would think. Yeah, like, uh-oh, am I crossing over? I don't that, want that. That's yeah. it. But see, I didn't know I had the melanoma at that time till after, after they, I mean, the doctor opened the door and they vanished. And then he told me, you have a growth. And I said, what does that mean? And he's, you know, it's cancer in your eyeball and it's very rare but I, I don't dwell on it i mean it's sort of like telling me i had a pimple or something i mean what am i going to do about it I do what they told me i'm going to have uh, i had radiation uh before they had a machine and it would shoot this radiation i now uh, and it shrunk a little bit but now they're going to actually put the radiation that i will carry around in my eye oh the seed I guess that's it. He hasn't explained it too much. I had my cataracts removed so we could get to see it more, mm -hmm. uh, to see the growth. So uh, we're working on that, but it's horrible. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I had to have laser because they were so thick. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. My grandpa yeah. had that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but anyway, so th that's my health issue right now is getting my eyes uh, so I can see and read again. I can't read. Oh, good. I mean, I'm glad that that I, I I can't even imagine going through that, especially, you know. Yeah, you've got a second sight, but you still want your first sight. I mean, that's still it, yeah, that's it. I lost the uh, yeah, but uh, you know, I'm a little tired, but because I think we got a lot. Oh, we did. This has been this has been incredible, and I thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really do. All right, once again, I want to thank Noreen for taking the time to sit down and chat with me via Zoom. It was a fantastic conversation. I hope to have more with her. I really want to delve even deeper with her because like I said, it was very interesting to hear it directly from her. Uh, you, uh, once again, you, the real life files of a psychic investigator. You can buy that book over on amazon.com. You can go to Noreen's website, which is noreenrenier.com. And that's R-E-N-I-E-R. -E it'll be in the, in the, uh, the podcast little description as well. But you can check her out there. There is contact information. Like I said, she is re she is retired, but you know, maybe if you reach out, she can she'll uh, reach back out to you. She'll she, you know, if you email her, maybe she'll email you back. She's like I said, she's a very, very lovely person. I hope to have more conversations with her because getting to talk to her directly is so so much better than just trying to find this information online. When I do these kind of episodes and I do this kind of research, you know kind of don't get the full story. You can get the author's interpretation of a full story in all these articles and all these websites and all these blogs, but it's different than talking to her directly. So once again, I want to thank Noreen for taking the, uh, the time to talk with me. It was a, such a wonderful chat. I really did enjoy it. Thank you so much, Noreen. I hope you guys liked this. And who knows, maybe I'll have Noreen back again to uh, dive even deeper into some of this stuff because there was, this is just kind of like, you know, brushing the surface on what we really, what I really wanted to talk to her about. So hopefully I can have her back on the show and go, go even deeper about how I can hone my skills and go into deeper about some of the cases that she's worked on. But I uh, hope you guys enjoy this one. This was a lot of fun. Once again, thank you to Noreen Rainier. Have a great one. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition, a bonus edition of Paranormal Almanac. Yes, 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 yes,